minus 10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with j Brought to you by Galant Media. Here's your host, j Hey, how you doing? J-Man here, and thank you for joining me for another edition of the Launchpad Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, head over to youtube.com slash J-Man is alive. You can find me online as well at thelaunchpadpodcast.com. The guest that I have on the show today was an early adapter of cryptocurrency. He is now working in cars, and he's actually possibly the very first dealership to accept cryptocurrency. Uh, which is a trailblazing thing, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. And then we're going to talk about cryptocurrency, cars, uh, the whole gambit. Welcome the owner of Car City Canada right here in the nation's capital, Jordan Legacy. How you doing, buddy? Good, Jason. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, there are so many different things that I want to talk about. And you do many, many different things. And cars would be one of them. So just number one, in an industry which is so taboo, being in used cars, lightly used cars, cars in general, why did you want to put that target on your chest? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I never thought that I would be in the uh, car industry growing up. Um, I grew up from a restaurant background. Um, uh, but I did have that uh, business mind and the entrepreneur um, ideas that I wanted to do. So. Um, I got introduced to cars from an old friend of mine. Um, I was actually uh, working uh, in the fitness industry for a long time, which I still enjoy. Um, but um, I made the leap, uh, took a leap of faith. Um, you know, cars have that stigma, right? And uh, people always say, oh, the used car salesman pitch. And, you know, there's so many things associated with it. And I think the reality is, is that um, if you're an honest, good person, and if you really believe in what you're doing, um, that's going to come out at the end of the day. So um, I, I ignored the noise, and uh, I've been doing uh, cars now for almost 10 years. Uh, I've had Car City now for, uh, it, we just had our five-year anniversary in February this year. So that's really exciting. Uh, lots of ups and downs, just like in any business, but uh, so far, so good. Right. Now, we'll go to the negative first (laughs) and we'll talk about the positive you're talking about the ups and the downs and coronavirus has really played around with the supply chain and that's not just food that's not just lumber but apparently it's been wreaking havoc uh, with the car industry how has it affected your business and how is it also affecting the prices of vehicles that's a great question um it's been a common um question that I have from a lot of clients as well that come in. Uh, What's going on from what I can see and what we're we're seeing in the marketplace is that there's a shortage of um, trucks, number one, uh, a shortage of high-end vehicles. Um, The average everyday car you can seem to still find, um, but specific vehicles that people really, really desire, uh, there is a shortage. Um, I believe in Canada, a lot of those vehicles are going to the States. Um, so U.S. dealers are buying them. Um, and there's a lot of things at play, too. Um, if a lot of people were not shopping for uh, newer vehicles at, let's say, a franchise store, um, then there wasn't as many trade-ins that were coming in. And then the trade-ins get filtered down through the dealer auctions through to our hands as a small dealer. So there's been, um, there's been definitely a trail of, um, of events that have happened in the industry. 
um, which has raised prices. So, you know, if you were looking for a vehicle, maybe, you know, a year and a half ago, and, you know, you saw it was 10,000 and now it's still 10,000 or maybe even 11,000. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, people are like, that's, that's odd, but that's what's going. And we've had to make adjustments. Um, but overall, I mean, it, the industry is still working. It's just, there was a little bit of a pause on inventory and there still is like, uh, I used to carry 40 to 50 cars, uh, which isn't that big of an inventory, but it's big enough uh, for a used dealer. And, you know, we're carrying 20 to 30 just because I'm not going to purchase vehicles that I think are not going to resell. I still want to get the best price for my clients. Um, so I'm just being very careful. Right. Okay. So before we jump into the crypto element of what you do, I want you to give me one or two do's when you're stepping onto a used car lot or a car lot in general, and maybe a don't. So I'm asking you to be really right. transparent. Okay. You're like the magician. You're not supposed to tell people your tricks, but you're just going to pull the veil off a little bit because sure, you're sure. a trustworthy so, individual. <laughs> so I'm a client going to a used dealership. Okay. Yes. So most cars, car salespeople, they're just friendly people like anybody else. Uh, just Tell them exactly what you're looking for. Uh, be honest with your salesperson on maybe your, uh, your past credit situation so that we know how to help you if we do find the right vehicle for you. And um, the one thing is don't be shy to not say you have a trade-in. I see it a lot where customers, uh, they'll test drive cars, they'll spend an hour with us, all these things. We go over numbers and then it's like, oh, by the way, I have a trade. And it's, um, I know it's like an old trick that people are told, don't tell the salesperson you have a trade-in until, but at the end of the day, if you do that, you're coming from a place where maybe you're trying to be dishonest and that's actually going to hurt the sale. Um, So what about the way that you're dressed when you go to a dealership? Does that play a role? I always think it does. Like I always like to dress for success. I think it's important. Go in there, make sure uh, you're putting your best, face forward it shouldn't affect uh on how you're dealt with like this the dealership the salesperson should always treat people with respect but i think it goes a long way okay and the last one in regards to there's always people shopping around for cars i'm in business you're in business and i know that people don't like being sold but i also I don't like being on the other end, though, and people trying to sell me on what they want, right, in regards to the deal that they want with whatever it might be. So people shop around for cars and trucks. Is there an etiquette that they could use when they're dealing with an individual like you? Or does it not grind your gears whatsoever? Is it something that you're just used to? It's something that happens in the industry? Or is there a way that someone could do it a little bit differently to where maybe they'd have a little bit more success? You know, uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't find that um, it's that big of a deal to me uh, or my team. Um, We meet people from all different uh, areas of life and uh, different situations. I mean, we're not going to judge. I think at the end of the day, if somebody comes in and they're a nice person to deal with, they're going to get a better deal. Like, I want to sell a car to somebody that I actually become friends with. And I'm a sales guy at heart, so I'm a probably one of the biggest laydowns when I want to go buy something because I'm a salesperson. So I will take the deal. But saying that I want to make sure that um, if I get along great with my client, which we 99% of the time we do, 
um, I'm going to try to give them the best service and the best uh, vehicle and all the products that I can possibly give them so that they're happy. And um, if, if a customer comes in and they're very, um, you know, uptight and they're very, you know, uh, reserved, that might just be their personality. And we don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But um, I find that if you get along good with the person selling you the product, you're going to get the best deal possible. Right. So even if you have to just put that face forward, try it because uh, we're all people just trying to earn a living and we're not trying to, you know, go on, uh, you know, retire off your sales. It's not going to happen. Right. Just be likable. Be a likable person. That's correct. Yes. And I can vouch for Car City Canada. I have bought a vehicle through them myself uh, and I was put through to you by another great individual, Matthew Britt. I love to give him a little bit of love every time I can. Just such a badass Absolutely. name. It's like a superhero Absolutely. name. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Thanks, Matthew. Yes. And so you're also one of the sponsors of my podcast. You've been with me for a couple of seasons. And I just want to take this opportunity right now. All the names that you see around uh, these screens right here of Jordan and myself, these aren't just individuals that are throwing money at me and I just want them to be sponsors of my show. These are people that I know, people that I like, and people that I trust, and people that I would love to see you do business with because they've just been so great to me. So got that in there. Now let's jump into the cryptocurrency. So you were an early adapter of cryptocurrency. Tell me about that moment that somebody told you about Bitcoin and you didn't say, ah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds okay. good. So, um, okay. So my story is a little bit different. Um, I mean, I was always big into uh, conspiracy facts, uh, not conspiracy theories, uh, but conspiracy uh, theories, uh, you know, things like that. So the, how I found Bitcoin was um, I was actually researching another um, another topic that I have interest in. So I was actually looking up extraterrestrials and UFOs. Okay. And I happened to go onto a website to, to do that. Um, and then from there, there was other topics, which I happened to click on this link. And when I read about it, I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, during the time, like if you remember, Ron Paul was running for president of the United States um, and he was big on ending the Fed and um, or even just auditing the Federal Reserve. So when I was hearing all of that and then I read about Bitcoin, it made sense to me. And I said, hey, like this could be something I want to be a part of it. And that's how I learned about it. And then from there, it's been a, a great journey, um, you know, not as just only as an investor, um, but as uh, learning how to accept it as a business and you see the world changing right now, it's really uh, coming on strong and there is, there is ups and downs in there as well, but um, that's how I got started in it. So because I had an alien um, um, love, I guess you can call it. Um, I, uh, I, I dove into Bitcoin. So super, uh, super weird, actually. Go figure. Yeah. Now I think this is actually a really great story to share because there's a lot of people that, don't know what Bitcoin really is, still don't understand digital currency. What was it that you did to elaborate your knowledge on the topic that you think would be useful to someone that might be interested in looking into it right now? So um, I'll say this because everybody else in the crypto space says, I'm not giving financial advice. Uh, we're just talking. <laughs> right. So um, I would say if somebody's interested in learning about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies, um, you know, it's taboo to say do your own research, but you really do. You actually have to learn it. I would say start with the Bitcoin white paper uh, written by Satoshi, uh, read it, learn about it. 
um, start going on YouTube, uh, Twitter. Um, you can see everybody that's, um, you know, how many followers they have. Uh, you'll know if they know what they're talking about and just learn. It doesn't take much time to watch a YouTube video um, just to understand the basics of it. Um, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, I don't understand how it works. My, my rebuttal to that is, do you really understand how email works? Like, mm. right. We're just, you send the email and the other guy gets it. So you don't have to understand what happens in the back end of the internet and the computers to, uh, to know that email works. So uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, it's the same idea. Um, you know, with the new technology that we have, uh, people will learn to adjust to it. And you're seeing now, uh, more and more people come on board that want to be a part of the crypto um, phenomenon. Uh, I think the stat was, I think, 150 to 200 million people are using Bitcoin right now in the world, uh, which is a small percentage when you look at the world being around 8 billion people. Right. So there's still lots of room for growth um, as far as adoption. Um, and you see in countries like El Salvador, uh, just making it legal tender just the other day, uh, which means that I believe all businesses in El Salvador will be accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. And you could also um, use it, um, you know, everywhere in the country for everything. Right. And they're going to be using the energy from their volcanoes to mine for cryptocurrency. That's yes. bananas. Like, that's awesome, right? It's pretty interesting. Um, I never thought of that when I read that the other day as well. I thought that was pretty neat uh, considering, you know, there was the, um, the FUD, um, of, uh, you know, Bitcoin being uh, not an energy efficient way f through the mining. And, you know, it seems like they're going to try to solve that uh, with the volcanoes. And uh, there's lots of other topics you can go down that road about if it is efficient. And there's arguments on both sides. So we don't need to get into that. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Okay. And now NFTs. So non-fuckable something. I have no what are they called again? NFTs? So non-fungible tokens, non-fungible tokens. And what does that mean? Uh, that's a good question. That's another one that you really, um, I mean, for someone that really wants to learn, I would say go to Wikipedia and like really get an idea of it. Um, for me, non-fungible token, um, it's always going to be there. So um, if I buy an NFT of, let's say, um, a piece of art, um, and there is only one, there might be a hundred copies of it digitally, but number one is number one. Okay. You'll always own that piece. Um, this is also where people are going to be getting into smart contracts later through NFTs. Okay. So, um, there's companies out there that are creating NFTs and actually getting people uh, paid residually through a smart contract on their NFT. Okay. So, My head just exploded. Let me try to break this down because for sure, like there's people in crypto, you're talking right now, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's probably not elaborating enough. And then there's people like me who I really want to talk to where my brain is melting as you speak. So I'm just going to give you an analogy and you tell me how close to on the ball I am. Okay. Because I have uh, sports cards. Okay. Now I know that... I well, I don't own the rights to the sports card. And that would be the difference, I believe, in between an NFT and trading cards. But what's making the card boom come back right now is that for your card to be official, it needs to be run through a rating system. So there's three yeah. companies now that rate cards. So the reason why there's a Wayne Gretzky card selling for a million dollars is because not that it's the first print, but it's 
it's one of the Wayne Gretzky cards that's in the best condition. So let's say there's 10,000 Wayne Gretzky cards out there. 100 of them have been ranked and from one to 10, and you happen to have the only 10 and the other ones are nine. And that's what gives it its, its value. Now, is that similar to what's going on with NFTs? The fact that you're the first or there's a limited amount, what exactly gives the value to one of these things? That's a great question. I think um, the quick answer is a lot of these NFTs will have a um, hundred copies or a thousand copies. And number one will be the most valuable. Okay. And then number two, followed by number three and so forth. Um, so that's the quick answer. Um, is there going to be other ways that they're going to make NFTs more valuable that we don't, that we might not think of? Probably, um, probably there. So there's going to be more to come. I think that the NFT um, boom has uh, created a lot of um, questions, just like you have. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. It reminds me a lot of the ICO craze, which was the independent coin offering craze that happened in the last cycle of Bitcoin which was uh, back in 20, you know, the 2016, 2017, 2018 time, um, which was, they were trying to mimic like IPOs. Um, So it reminds me of the uh, boom we had with that. Um, I believe that NFTs will be around forever. Um, And if there's a lot of companies that created NFTs back in 2018, so, and we're in 2021, so they've been around for a long time. They're just finally starting to, uh, hit their stride. Right. So these are collectors items is what we're talking about basically, right? That's what's in this in the media right now is the collectors items, the art. Um, that's what we're seeing most of. Um, right. you know, an artist, um, I have an artist that works with me. He's an amazing singer and um, his name is Faisal FYSL, I'll throw him out there. Um, and uh, he's great. So um, you know, he wants to potentially do some uh, NFTs where he can have a clip of his music on an NFT. And then he can sell that clip of his music. So artists are doing that. You saw Dead Mouse do that. Um, there's a lot of other uh, right. big musicians. Now, if someone was to buy his NFT, but it was number one, that would be the most valuable one. And that value is based on what? The marketplace or just, well, I mean, the marketplace are just individuals. But what gives it its intrinsic value, right? It can be number one of anything, but if it's number one of something that people don't want, what's the value? So there has to be a value associated with that. How does how is that established? Well, the marketplace will determine value. I mean, uh, you look at these big artists. I'll use Dead Mouse as an example. I mean, he's so well known in the world that um, if he released, well, he does release NFTs, they're probably going to have uh, more people buy them which makes them more valuable. So it's going to be the marketplace will determine uh, the value of these NFTs. Okay. But realistically, let's say I know you believe where you think this is going, but we could be doing this whole NFT thing and people are buying NFTs like crazy. And at the end of the day, NFTs never do take, and it was just a craze. So that is a possibility. Uh, Absolutely. Like um, I'm, I'm, bigger on the fact that there's so much development in the crypto space for smart contracts. Um, they're going to be using NFTs with smart contracts. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to have so much development going on in those worlds that NFT will be a part of it. Um, is it going to be bigger? I, I don't know. 
Um, but to me, I still, you know, I compare it to the ICO craze. Um, I think that uh, we'll probably see, we saw the market go really high on NFTs. Pieces of art for $80 million and big numbers. And, um, you know, probably now it's gone down a little bit. We'll probably see another craze in the next Bitcoin cycle. Um, but uh, for me, um, I'm a Bitcoin guy. So like, I think Bitcoin is where people need to be focused. Um, I don't think um, the main focus should be on NFTs for somebody that's looking to invest. Um, but if they want to dabble in it, go ahead. That's just my opinion. Okay. It's so interesting because there's so many people out there that collect coins, they collect stamps, collect cards, collect comic books. I remember when I was a kid, God, I think we just, as we get older, sometimes we get dumber and <laughs> we take far less risk. I don't know. Uh, but I remember just picking up a whole bunch of comics. Every once in a while, I just go to a comic book store and I just buy something that looked cool. And go figure, I buy this uh, Infinity War comic forever ago. And I didn't even make the connection that I had it. It was just the Infinity Stone movies were out, like the Avengers and all that kind of stuff. I happen to be looking through uh, my, my comic books and I see like, you know, the, the gauntlet and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, you know, I have the, the original comics in which these movies were based off of. And they're, you know, worth a, a bunch of money. Not Bitcoin money. Uh, so no one comes trying to rob my house. <laughs> but it's, it's really yeah. neat to see how just kind of spending a couple of bucks here and there could have a huge payoff. And if it's something that you enjoy, then why the heck not, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that becomes like a, with the NFT uh, phenomenon, it's, it's a collection too. You can build yourself a nice little collection and who knows what's going to be like it. Maybe they, they will be worth that, you know, so valuable in the future. We just have right. to, to see. This, you know. But at the end of the day, I mean, if, if these are just think about it as collectibles and if, you know, have some fun oh, and sure. at the end of the day, you're left with the things that you enjoyed and there's a story to them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I, one thing I thought about doing and maybe we'll do it is I sell a Honda Civic right, to a client that I could make an NFT for that Honda Civic to sell them or to give to them as a gift. And then if they sell the Civic, they can move the NFT to the new owner later. And then that follows the car. So you can do things like that. People are doing it. Um, yeah, there's lots wow. to do. Okay, so I want to get back into you accepting crypto at the dealership. I mean, it makes sense sure. now. We kind of understand the story. Uh, but sure. I remember you telling me about one of these NFTs. So you're involved in a cyber world and then you're in the real world. And this is so mind boggling. And I've been mm -hmm. doing a lot of research myself, trying to understand it so I can have like half-assed rational conversations with individuals such as yourself. Sure. Uh, but you were, you were renting out vehicles in cyberspace in a different like just finish it off for me because i'm not sure, real estate sure. so there's um so there's different virtual worlds now in the in the digital world so in cyberspace uh where i believe uh well it's happening now but i believe that the future will be people will wake up they will log into their computer they will be part of a virtual world and there's many out there right now they will have a job in their virtual world where there may be a casino manager um, there's something in there, an executive of some company in the virtual world, and they'll put their goggles on, their, their, their VR glasses, and they'll have a full life in the virtual world, get paid in digital currencies, then they will cash it out into uh, 
you know, Canadian, US dollars, euros, wherever it might be, or maybe Bitcoin, and then uh, they go to bed. And I see that happening. Is it five years, 10 years, 15, 20? I don't know, but I see it happening. So I wanted to be um, a front runner. So I just decided to dabble with some virtual worlds. And um, so I buy some, you're buying the one that I'm with. Um, I don't want to plug it because um, I don't want to make it look like I'm giving advice on it. But the one that I'm with, maybe some crypto people would figure it out. Uh, you buy uh, virtual NFTs that actually pay you um, residual money in their token. And then um, in the virtual world, when it opens, uh, people will be using those tokens uh, and to use the assets to actually earn uh, money in the game. Right. So in this virtual game, I need to get from point A to point B and I can rent one of your vehicles to get me there. Correct. Like, does this happen in real time? Like, I need to get into a virtual vehicle and then I have to, <laughs> I have to sit that, I don't know. First. I mean, like that, like that, with that uh, virtual world, they're not at that part of their uh, world yet. So it's still at the building stage. Right. So I don't know how it's going to work, but yes, it would be something. Wow, that is just mind melting. And there's I, a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot out there um, as far as so many different projects and crypto things. And like I said before, like, you know, get involved a little bit, learn about things because we don't know where the future is going. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I still am a firm believer. And that's the reason why I'll go back to your previous question about um, why we take Bitcoin as a payment mm-hmm. um, is because I believe that the world uh, is going that way. Uh, so we started taking Bitcoin as payment in 2016. No, we don't have customers coming in every day saying, well, here's my Bitcoin, I'm going to buy a car. Um, Especially in the bull cycle, we don't see people wanting to sell Bitcoin. But we have done a few transactions uh, where people use Bitcoin and we uh, convert it to Canadian dollars. Um, You know, taxes are being paid. Everything's normal. We treat it as cash. Um, And then that's it. So um, it gets people excited that they can actually use um, their their Bitcoin for uh, transactions. And you're seeing it now all over the world. People are buying uh, real estate with Bitcoin, and um, you know it's going to go a long way. So we wanted to be—I wanted to be uh, the first dealership in Canada. I think I am. You know, I opened February 2016. Um, so right. yeah. Now, without giving financial advice, what has you tickled fancy right now in the digital currency world? There's a one that you you really like. Um. I mean, there's there's some out there that I think have a lot of uh, potential to have great gains. Um, I think that before anyone even starts talking about a specific cryptocurrency besides Bitcoin, people need to start to realize that Bitcoin runs on a halving cycle. And until someone really understands that, um, you know, without giving financial advice, if you don't understand the halving cycle properly, you might buy at a time where you think you're buying a good price. But really, you're not. So uh, people should be very careful with that. Um, it's not a joke. Um, in the last halving cycle, uh, I've heard, you know, we heard horror stories of people, you know, remortgaging their home, putting it into Bitcoin. And um, if they're not careful, uh, you know, they were in the red for a few years before the next cycle came in. So um, or they may be sold and they lost. So um, it's tricky. Um, I don't want to say I, I believe in this certain uh, coin or company because really Bitcoin's the king of the crypto world followed by Ethereum. That's pretty right. much fact. Right. So. Okay. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> now I see this fancy little plaque over your shoulder right there, that baby blue. 
Yes. 2020. I believe you have a 2019 one there too. Uh, yes, yes. And that's, that's an award from Car Guru. Yeah, that's worked for, from Car Gurus. Uh, we've been with them a long time. Um, they've been uh, great. A uh, lot of customers, uh, I advertise my cars on their website and then uh, people can leave reviews on their website as well. And that's how we qualify. Uh, we have to have good inventory and you know, the proper, um, you know, that we run our dealership the proper way. And it goes a long way. Um, it's nice to have uh, good positive feedback like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, in regards to cryptocurrency and that's where the world is going. Uh, as soon as a, a person finds out about a, a new place or somewhere that they want to do some business, people are going to Google reviews. They're going to the review sites. They're going to TripAdvisor. And uh, let me say this, actually. When you guys go to these sites, because this used to be a pet peeve of mine uh, when I go to TripAdvisor, some people would give a resort a bad review uh, because it rained all seven days. That's not the resort's fault. <laughs> True. True. You know, so, you know, take some time and look at the reviews. Uh, you know, Jordan, you have great reviews, you know, uh, you. and go through them. And I always look for the ones like, what are the things that I see that repeat? Right. And those are the ones uh, that are true. Uh, and those are the ones that you should, you know, base your, your opinion on. And by all means, I think there's way too many people out there that want to go out there and leave a negative review. And so many people that have positive experiences that don't take the time to write uh, a positive review. When you go somewhere and you have good business, do your best to sit there and, and give them uh, a positive review because it does mean dollar signs for business and help keeps, you know, the, the, the doors open, the lights lit and, and you employ people as well. I, I agree. Like um, I've been personally leaving more reviews lately. I think especially what, all of uh, business I've gone through in this past year and a half um, that people um, that normally wouldn't leave reviews should be encouraged to do so because people are shopping online. So whether if it's a restaurant, a car dealership, um, a mechanic store, I'm just thinking of things that come to my mind here. Um, but it could be, you know, landscaping companies, like um, whatever construction businesses, like leave a review because those businesses were hurt so much that, people need to know what type of business they're dealing with. And um, yes, you're going to get bad reviews. It happens. Take it as a learning experience. I've had bad reviews and I just try my best to get better. Um, even if I'm right or if they're right, that's not worth the confrontation. It's just sorry and move on. And we just try our best. And, um, but reviews are huge. Right. They're very important. Right. There's take some accountability. That's some good business advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, right there, taking a little bit of accountability, no matter what side of the fence that you're on, can go an incredibly long way because everyone wants to be right. So let the customer be right. <laughs> okay, well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me because I know time is money. Uh, so I'm going to let you get back to what you do best, uh, which is putting people in their, in their cars and, and getting those cars there forever homes, as I like to say. Uh, and we're also going to be uh, talking about a big sale coming up in the near future, a one-day uh, big sale. Uh, details are still being worked out, but it's going to be huge. It's going to be, it's gonna be huge. huge. It's going to be going to be huge. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time, Jordan. And if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, subscribe, share, like, whatever format that you're on. Uh, check me out at the launchpadpodcast.com. And you take care, be well, and love simply because you can.